0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a
1: Pilates class or outdoor-guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going.
0: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: So there's only one person that knows about my sexual liberation journey almost as intimate as I do. And it's the guy that I've chosen to have sex with for the rest of my life. He and I got together right as I was beginning my sexual awakening. And as I was sitting down to write about my story of how I became a sexually liberated woman, he had an idea.
2: I thought it would be really cool as I have been listening to these uh, stories alongside with you. A lot of people don't know, but I'm probably Evian's biggest fan um, <laughs> of her work and you know, at first, she was just gonna share her story, just, you know, just normally talking to you. And I thought it would be really cool to get a chance rather to interview her. And that way, maybe you could see a little bit of a different side of her story than maybe you're used to. So maybe this is your first time hearing Evian's story, or maybe you're a little more familiar with it, but I thought it would be cool to do this. So I'm excited to sit down with you today. And to get a chance to talk to Evian. So Evian, thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
1: <laughs> Thanks, baby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we, you know, start at the beginning? I suppose. Yeah. That's, that's always the best place to start. So Totally. Take me back to where you were before you started this journey to your sexual awakening?
1: I realized that I needed some sexual healing when I was about 18. Um, I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship, and it was also um, kind of a sexually traumatic relationship. And um, this was a right right around the time where a lot of things were happening in my life where You know, my parents were splitting up and I had just gotten out of school and then I was like by myself for the first time because I was in this relationship with a guy for three years and all of this kind of upheaval thrust me into wanting to take my sexual awakening much more seriously. And it wasn't until I met Jonathan, you, that I was really put into this place of needing to put a lot of emphasis and priority on it, you know, because before, like I was single and I, you know, I, I didn't really need to have these conversations with myself about sex because sex wasn't on the forefront of my life um, in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got into a relationship with you that, like, I mean, we were sleeping in the same bed together. We were walking.
2: You didn't have someone try to hump you. Like.
1: <laughs> you know, we were, I mean, we were very, we were very sexual. And, um, and having that so upfront in my face was what really caused me to examine my belief systems and the really negative things that I I had around sex and sexuality.
2: What was the catalyst for you that, you know, obviously us being together and starting our relationship was big, but was there any other sort of catalyst for you that really made you realize like, this is an area in my life where I want to do some serious work or I want to change some things.
1: I think one of the biggest things that made me open my eyes to the fact that this was something that I couldn't sleep on any longer. Like I really needed to make this a priority was when I was having panic attacks almost every single time I had sex with you. Um, That was pretty horrific. That was like one of the hardest times I think of our relationship was you know, trying to be intimate with you and wanting to be as open and as uninhibited as possible. And then my body just like shutting down almost immediately. I mean, at first it was kind of like, this is normal. <laughs> Everyone does this because it was so, it was such a huge force in our sex lives together. And then I just hit a point where I I was tired of it. I was tired of feeling so panicky and so confused and so broken about the sex that I was having. And ultimately the sex that I wanted. Like, I wanted to have sex with you in a way that was feeling free and feeling amazing and awesome and where I could feel sexual and juicy and uninhibited. I wanted that, but there was so much fear and shame and just like uh, flailing (laughs) on my end that I I couldn't access that for a really long time.
2: Yeah, I, I remember so many nights where it would be like where we'd almost have sex or we'd start to, you know, get a little bit of physical or I would come on to you and it was just like, there's something kind of blocking it. And I remember it being really hard for me to not take it personally. Like I I really felt like something was wrong with me because if I could just be better or come on to you in the right way or, you know, flirt with you better or have better foreplay technique or something like that, then you would be fine or i could you know i was failing at doing something to make you feel safe and i remember that was a big part of the struggle for me
1: and that was also the the struggle for me too like having to convince you no everything that you're doing is great. Like there's nothing wrong. It's all on me. And also feeling like if if I were different, then I would be able to give you the kind of sex that you deserved. And there was so much shame and so much guilt that I wasn't able to show up in the way that I knew other women in your life had shown up for you in your, in your relationships.
2: And that made it, I think that made it, like, just that made it even worse because I was taking it personally, and then you felt even worse, you know. Because if you were different, then you could have, you know, just became this like really tangled. Yeah. I, I feel like pit that we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we crawl out of this and how do we create something different? So, what was it that you? had to release or what was there some sort of process that you went through that made you realize like this is what it is that I'm really struggling with and this is what I need to let go of or how did that start to unravel for you to begin to change and begin to shift so sex started to feel more free and more what you wanted it to be like
1: I, a couple things. I, I remember being really uh, curious about the other ways other people had sex and the Mm. other ways that people, um, were in sexual relationships with their partners. And I remember reading a lot of books at that time, like, um, Anis Nen was an amazing, amazing, tool for me and resource for me to, to kind of get a glimpse of other people's sexualities because I think that was what was so hard about this whole process for me was realizing that sex is so, there's such a taboo around it. I never heard of anyone talking about their sex lives or uh, healthy sexual dynamics or, or anything like that. I really felt that I was kind of on my own <laughs> in this world of of being an adult and trying to figure out how to have a healthy, flourishing, consensual and sexy sex life. So having other models of what that looked like and realizing like sex is normal and sex is common and good sex is is what needs to happen. Like that's like if you're not having good sex, if you're not feeling good while you're having sex, then then there's something wrong. That was what really kind of shifted things for me. So definitely like the sense of curiosity mm. and just wanting to know, are other people having problems like this? And and if that's the case, if, if I'm not alone, what do those next steps of healing look like? And um, of course, I, I found that there were, a lot of different models and dynamics of sexual relationships, and I realized that as much as it was great for me to read these books and to get inspiration from people like Anais Nen and other books about partnerships and relationships, I I think we, during that time, actually read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Yeah. Like, that was another book, even though it's, like, incredibly archaic, like, that was another book that shed some light on the sexual dynamics between you know the masculine and the feminine but you know I was reading all these books and that was great but I realized pretty soon after I started reading them like there's not I mean you can only read about this so much (laughs) you can only be like prepped to do this work so much before it's time for you to get out into the field and try it on your own and I realized that the only way that I was going to have the sex life that I wanted to have and have the sexual relationship with you that I wanted to have was if I created it. And, you know, I came from this, this background of like really religious families, um, who shamed me for my sexuality, who shamed me for losing my virginity. And I saw that as like, that was going to be my path within my, my sexual relationship with you. And I realized like, I don't have to put up with that. <laughs> I, don't, I can choose, like I can choose to have the kind of sexual relationship I want to have with you and it took a lot of work and and i felt daunting at a, a lot of times because i'm like i don't even know where to start like i i mean i certainly i mean the books were great but i didn't have any in real life models to look to or to talk to and that's actually why i started my blog because i wanted to have a safe space where i could write about what was going on for me as a way of exploring it and being curio- curious about it without without being, like, an expert or trying to find answers necessarily. Like, for me, writing was a way of me, like, working through all of those things in real time.
2: That's so true. I mean, you can only read so much without getting to a point where you just have to start doing it and start applying it. And I remember uh, there was a point where we were in therapy for a little while and – it kind of blew both of our minds when our therapist was talking to us. And she was like, you know, so it sounds like these are the things that you've been taught to believe. And now you're realizing that you can decide to believe other stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> like what? My mind, my mind was blown at the idea that you don't have to follow in those same footsteps that were put before you by other family members or other religious institutions or other false beliefs or or whatever that looks like. And that was a really freeing. I remember that. I remember being in therapy with you and, and hearing that. And it was awesome. It was I felt like, okay, so it's not so it's not so dismal like I can I can find my own way. And then that just created another other anxieties and fears because it's like, well, shit, where do I start? So. Yeah.
2: What were some of those beliefs or ideas that you had to shift? And what, what did you start believing instead that was different?
1: A lot of beliefs around, I mean, just sex as, as, as a woman, just sex as a whole for me just felt really Dirty. And not dirty in the sense like, ew, my hands are, are getting dirty, but like sinful. Right. I remember having <laughs> conversations with you about not wanting to give you head. And I I remember telling you like whores suck dick. I don't suck dick. Only whores do that. So there was this huge association for me around sexual freedom equaling being a whore. Or a slut or a bitch and like being being separated from from God or from the spiritual so I I had to shift my ideas around what exactly does it mean to be a sexual woman and is it possible for you to be a sexual woman and for it not to be sinful inherently sinful I I remember lots of times in the very very beginning of us being together and having sex we would be having sex and my mind was not on the pleasure that i was receiving or or on the intimacy that was being shared between us but i imagined god looking down from his his clouds and being like oh my god this is so awful this person is doing so like horrible things to her body and so so, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of. Kind of
2: kills the vibe, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was, that was really sexy. I mean, she just thinking about it. No, I mean, that's, it's horrible. Yeah. Another thing that, that I had a really hard time with was this idea that my body, when I was having sex with you, was being violated because of my sexual trauma in the past and having these really non-consensual things happen to me sexually, it was really difficult for me to see the sex that we were having as actual consensual sex. And I guess to answer your question about what belief systems I put in place of those, I mean, obviously is that sex is a natural part of life. It's a natural part of of spirituality. I mean me being able to see sex as spiritual was huge for me because it it meant that I didn't have to envision God or Jesus like sitting at the edge of our bed looking at us and like shaking their heads like oh my gosh this this girl. <laughs> right. So like so seeing sex as as a way of worshiping myself as a way of worshiping my my relationship as a way of of connecting to a spirit was huge for me. In the realm of, of sexual trauma, I needed more work <laughs> in that area. It, it wasn't as simple as a perspective shift. I actually was in therapy for a pretty long time, kind of working through those things. And um, and I, I think that that's, that's what really helped kind of heal those wounds and get me to the other side of that in a way that I could see sex as, as something really powerful and something that I also had control of. Because before that, I was thinking like, this is something that is done to me, that happens to my body. And after I you know, got over this hump of, of my sexual trauma and had that healing, I was able to be at a place where I could say, I am choosing actively to have sex with this man. I am choosing to be intimate with him and, and I am completely in control. I can say yes, I can say no at any time. That was really, really powerful for me. Really, really powerful.
2: You know, one of the things that kind of, I got kind of reminded of as you were talking that I really saw a shift in you through this process and through your journey was really kind of claiming your sexiness and your femininity and your, your sensuality as a woman. And I remember when we first started dating and during the first, maybe half of our relationship, you would always say like, I don't feel sexy or I feel pretty or I feel cute, but I don't feel (laughs) sexy. and I I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. I actually remember, you know, talking to you and telling you you're and you're like, don't say that. That's mm-hmm. not. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I wanted to bring this up because I'm kind of curious if that was just kind of something that naturally shifted as the result of all this other stuff you were doing, or if there was like you had to specifically work on kind of reclaiming and embodying your, Womanhood. Or maybe it was just a natural like mature maturation of you going into womanhood. I don't know. I'd be curious to
1: No, I mean it's it was all connected for me. Like I as soon as I began to unearth and explore these avenues about my sexuality and my the way that I saw intimate relationships and and even getting married, everything started to shift. Every little facet of that was shifting. And I remember that. I remember, like, as I was working on owning my sexuality as a woman, there were a lot of words that I had to reclaim and to examine. And and I remember asking myself, like, how do you feel about the word whore? How do you feel about the word cunt? How do you feel about... The word "sexy" and some of those words were really easy to digest for me. I'm like, oh, I like this word. That words meet. That word means this. But the word "sexy" was pretty big for me. I never considered myself to be sexy because because I saw sexy as unattainable for me, particularly the messages and the images that were um, kind of bombarded onto me when I was becoming a woman, I never saw faces, bodies that looked like mine. I never saw skin color that looked like mine, hair color that looked like mine, or anything like that. So this idea of sexiness was really, really buried underneath certain looks and certain types and really particular um, stereotypes of what sexiness was like, you know, the big boobs and the fat ass and like the itty bitty waist and long hair. Like I didn't have any of those things. And so for it, it took me, I'd say that the word sexy and the idea of sexiness, it took a really long time for me to actually feel, I actually feel like, like it wasn't until pretty recently, babe, that like, I feel comfortable calling myself sexy and considering myself sexy because I had to undo and unlearn all of these like really ill fitting ideas of what sexy was for me.
2: I feel like the more I do the work that I do and the more I talk to different people about their work with individuals as coaches and as teachers, a lot of it is undoing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Undoing shame, undoing guilt, undoing these false beliefs. And once you do that, a lot of the good stuff and the things that you really want to embody and to be able to partake of and explore, it's kind of there underneath. Yeah. Without you having to do a whole lot. But a lot of the work is just getting through the shit.
1: (laughs) Totally,
2: totally. So what does it mean to you now to be a sexually liberated woman? And what, what would, advice would you give to someone that maybe is a, a little bit earlier on in their journey that wants to feel sexy, that wants to feel sensual, that wants to be able to be free in their sexuality? where where should they start and what is I guess that's two questions but
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's okay so your first question what does it mean to me to be a sexually liberated woman I feel like if you would have asked me that question three or four years ago my answer would be totally different than um, what my answer today is and I think that's because I've realized that sexual liberation is a journey um, there's no destination, at least for me. I I feel like, even though I've come so far, there's still so much for me to learn and so much more for me to uncover and heal. That it's it's a continuation. Um, I suppose my my ideas of of sexual liberation is being free to express yourself erotically and to be free to feel powerful in in your sexual expression and then also just having an awareness that your sexuality is an important part of who you are as a person i mean in my work like coaching people and 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 writing about this it's it's really interesting to me how I'll, how the sex part of life is often the last part piece or the second to last piece that people begin to examine. I mean, we we talk about our health and we talk about our hair and we talk about, yeah. you know, our finances and, and all of these other things. And our sex lives, our sexual health, our sexual vitality is often like the last on the list. And so for me, sexual liberation is about making sex, making your erotic expression and your erotic development a priority so that it's not this last thing that gets your attention. I'm really happy that I didn't wait as long as I did or as long as I could have to tackle my sexual dysfunction. I'm really happy that all the other things didn't get in the way of that. And I was able to give it the attention it deserved. So, yeah. Yeah, sexual liberation is is about just feeling free to explore who you are as a sexual person, and to feel empowered doing that. While doing that, making empowered decisions that will that will shape you as as a sexual person.
2: I I, I just want to say that that part of making it a priority is so huge, and that really just kind of. Hit a chord with me because so many people don't, and yeah. they, like you said, they just make it the last thing on their. They don't, probably don't even have it on their list. <laughs> it's like, it yeah. doesn't even get on the list. And right. I, I forget who it was, but there was a, I think it was a spiritual teacher that said, you know, sex is one of the, sex is the last area of our life to be enlightened, mm. If, mm. if at all, and. We try to bring, but what is what does enlightening mean? It just means bringing light to
1: right, exactly the exactly. area,
2: and we just keep it in the dark, you know.
1: Exactly, yeah. And there's many reasons for that, obviously, you know. Like it's it's most of the time it's completely unconscious. People do it for unconscious reasons. I know I did. I thought like, well, I mean, I don't really have to talk about sex until. Until it becomes an issue, and and then it became an issue. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of reasons for it to stay in the dark,
2: right? Which is interesting because in some ways it could be a blessing that it becomes an issue because
1: yeah, it's true.
2: That's bringing it into the light, and you know, if you if you allow it to to be worked on,
1: yeah, like if you have that awareness, totally. I mean, I think. I think there's a lot of power to to having a breakdown around something because it really gives you the perspective of, okay, I need to fix this. But I I think if I if I could go back, I wouldn't have allowed it to get to the point where I was like, I don't think that I can be in a relationship with you anymore because you want sex in a way that I can't give it to you. If I had my way, I would go back and I would have these really intense conversations with myself and and with other people. And I would start my reading process a lot early about, you know, what sex was and, and what sex looked like and consensual sex and all these other things. I would have started it a lot early. I wouldn't have waited until it got fucked up, broken, because, um, yeah, that's that's no fun <laughs> building yeah. building things from the ground up. It takes a lot of time. Um As to your other question about what advice I would give someone who's just starting, I I think I would I would answer in the way that I would I would want to have heard it when I was beginning, uh, which was to just keep going, like keep following your curiosity At the stage that I was in when I was first beginning, a lot of the advice that I was getting was, well, just have sex already. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. Just have sex. Put it on your calendar. Do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And for a lot of people, that can work. That can be a really great way to bring connection to your sex life again. For me, that was terrifying. That was not the advice I needed. It actually gave me more shame to think that, well, if these big sex gurus and doctors are telling me like all I have to do is have sex and I can't even do that, then like there's something really wrong with me. So I, I like these, this idea of starting, starting small and starting gently with this understanding that, that this is a path made by walking and that it's not going to be fixed overnight. And the most that you can do for yourself right now is treat yourself with so much love and so much gentleness around this, almost as as you would a sick baby. And just give yourself that love and acceptance and that attention that you need, because that is what is going to help you have the strength to step out of it. Um, these tactics of well you need to have sex with your man or you need to be having this amount of orgasms every time you have sex I mean that's not helpful so yeah I, I like I like this idea of of start of, of starting slow and going easy and treating yourself with with gentleness and kindness and realizing that this is not a sprint it's a marathon and um, it's, it's gonna take time it's going to take time. And bravo for like being willing to look at yourself enough in that way to say like, this needs some attention. This needs some tending to.
2: Yeah. I mean, some people die without ever doing that. So
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: What would be some maybe practical things for a woman that's listening to this that wants to get started, but maybe she doesn't know where to start? Like, are there any resources or exercises or things maybe to think about? I'm I'm curious yeah. about that.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to just shamelessly plug my blog because, um, I really feel that, I mean, I've, I've never seen any, any other type of resources out there, that kind of give you that perspective of sexual awakening and sexual curiosity from a perspective of like, I'm not an expert. (laughs) Yeah. And I know for me that has been really helpful for me, not to seek people who are already having five orgasms every time that they have sex, but actually being alongside people who are on this journey too. And they're also starting small and they're also being gentle and and they're also you know following their intuitions and and tuning into their hearts so definitely i i
2: so true.
1: i I love that my blog has kind of turned into that resource it didn't start out that way you know it started out as like a personal blog for me to talk about my sex issues, <laughs> but now it's like this really great resource for people to come to and and read about and like get affirmations from. Um, actually the other thing that came up for me as you were asking that was like, it's, if it seems really simple and, and maybe, maybe people would think like this, how is this connected? But creating a relationship with your Yoni, um, that was huge for me. Like, because there's, I lived with such a dissociation with my, with my genitals,
2: yeah, I was I, I, just gonna I, ask you to to <laughs> explain yoni for anyone that may not be familiar with
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so your yoni, your vulva, your vagina. Which is,
2: yeah, Sanskrit for vulva, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I at one point I hadn't actually looked at my my yoni, my vulva in like ten years. When I thought about that, when I thought about the amount of times like that men see and touch their penises on a daily basis and how very little
2: daily basis
1: well you know okay hourly would you sure. say it's hourly okay on an hourly basis next to like what i was doing which was like what, every 10 years, every decade? I mean, that, if that, I mean, sometimes it was longer. So realizing that and then deciding like, okay, I wonder what would happen if I gave her attention more often than that, you know? Um, So... I took a mirror and I and I looked at her and I, I created a dialogue with her and saw what I saw. And it was really healing and really funny and really weird. And I remember you were actually in on this when we were doing oming. You you and I were like in this position and you were looking right at my yoni, looking dead at my, my vulva and my lips and all these other things. And you were saying some of the most beautiful words about about it to me and that was like there was nothing more that that connected me not just to you but to also like the beauty of my sexuality and in in those moments so yeah I, i mean i would say like the easiest tip would be to like spend some time with your yoni Every day, or if you can't do it every day, do it at least twice a week. You know, take a mirror down there, put some coconut oil on your hands, and and you know, give her a little massage. It doesn't have to be sexual, it can just be like, Hey, I'm moisturizing you just like I would moisturize my elbows. Um, you know, and by the
2: way, coconut oil is totally um, anti micro. Look at you, everyone just curious. I pay attention.
1: Yeah. Coconut oil is really good for vaginas and vulvas. So, so I think that would be a really good place to start. And also, you know, just sitting down and asking yourself, what do I want my sex life to look like? What do I want my sexual expression to look like? How do I want to feel when I'm having sex? How do I want to feel when I'm orgasming? what do i want to teach my daughters or my goddaughters or or my sisters or my besties about like sex right. and not necessarily having answers to those questions because i don't think the answers are that important right now but just creating that dialogue and 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 having that on your mind i mean it's it's huge the amount of things that begin to open up when you make space for for things like this
2: yeah i think even just asking is a radical yeah kind of act yeah. and I would add to that allow yourself to think about it without trying to figure out how it's going to happen because yeah. like, a lot of people they start thinking about what they want and then they're like I don't know how that would happen so right. I'm not going to continue with that because I don't want to be let down
1: right yeah
2: and just let yourself think about it without needing to figure out how that's going to happen because right. it might seem like a huge gap you know, like this big chasm, maybe between where you are and some of the things that you want to experience and embody with your sexuality.
1: Yeah, you don't have to fix anything. I think that's, at least that's what I'm hearing you say, is that like, it's nothing needs to be fixed right now. Just the asking, just the showing up and being there for the asking can be enough right now. Yeah. I actually have a question for you. I'm going to like put you on the spot because like you're putting me on the spot. Okay. I want to know like, I mean, you've been there with me since the beginning. Like yeah. we were 19 when we met.
2: You were 19. I was, I was 21.
1: I was 19 when we met. <laughs> and, and you watched me like bloom and blossom. I guess I kind of want to know like. What changes have you seen in me? And like, what have been your most favorite things that you've noticed about me, your, your lover, your wife, your partner, as I've, I've grown into myself and become more comfortable with my sexuality?
2: One of the things that's kind of funny that, that really stands out and that comes to mind first is you used to think that booties were gross. <laughs> Like, when I first met you, it was the most confusing thing ever because I had never met someone that really, like, anuses, sure, but you really thought that asses, you didn't even call it that. You were just like, that's your butt or your bum or something. You're like, they're gross. You sit on them, and that's where poo comes from. And
0: Oh, my God.
2: You know, now I feel like you've really embraced your booty, and mm. you like booties. To my knowledge, at least, um, <laughs> so you tell me that I have a Viking booty, which I don't think is very nice. But um, by the way, everyone, Viking booty is. Uh, is inside lingo. You don't have to explain it's, it. It's, 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 oh, it's self-evident. <laughs> everyone knows.
1: It's fine. Everyone knows what a Viking booty is. It's fine. Whatever. So so booty love.
2: Yeah, booty, booty love. love is probably um, at the top of that list. You <laughs> just being a more sensual, erotic woman and being more apt to want to initiate and kind of invite me in sexually. I think that for a long time, which I still really enjoy, and I, I like playing the kind of, like, hard-to-get game. I think it's a fun game to play. But that, for a long time, was, like, the only dynamic for us sexually, and it really took me, a lot of times, like, really initiating, kind of, like, breaking down your your hard-to-get walls, these kind of, like, faux walls, so to speak, For us to start getting you know getting freaky with each other and it's it's been really nice just seeing you kind of like initiate more and yeah i don't know be really playful sexually i feel like your energy around sex has become so much more playful and um, confident and it's pretty awesome and you don't think blowjobs are gross anymore, which is yeah. pretty cool. I'm not complaining about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I moved past that. I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally down with, with BJs. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for, for answering that question. And also, um, I want to say thank you to you for giving me the space that I needed to bloom and blossom in the way that I needed to bloom and blossom at the time that I needed to bloom and blossom, I know that you were very patient and uh, compassionate as I was working out all of these issues and a few times I thought, "My god, this guy he he is putting up with so much I don't know why he's still around <laughs> because this is a You're lot." <laughs> So no, but I, I just want to say thank you for for holding that space for me and, and giving me that room to heal and to blossom in the way that I needed to, because it's brought us here.
2: It's absolutely been worth it. And I just want to say, like, not to brag or anything, but <laughs> our sex is pretty awesome. And it just keeps getting better, which I feel like kind of blows both of our minds a little bit. Like both of us keep waiting for this point where it's really going to get really boring and we're going to be like, meh. But it hasn't, like miraculously, it hasn't um, devolved into that. It hasn't gotten really stale. And I I just want to say that because I think a lot of people out there that might be listening to this might think that, You know, when you're in a long term committed relationship that it has to get like boring or the fun or the sexiness drops off after a while. And I think that definitely happens with some people, maybe even most people. But if you're lucky enough to find someone and it's not just luck, it takes a lot of work. But if you work at it and you really cultivate that intimacy with each other and that connection, I really do feel like. The sex keeps getting better. Yeah. Because it keeps getting deeper and it's it's pretty pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Well let's go have sex right now.
2: All right. Let's turn it off. I'm ready. <laughs> no, seriously. Okay, let's go. All right.